1: Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel can find the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Watch that way. Hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network across the state or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. We welcome in Evan Bland for the first time in 2024. At Evan Bland, OWH on Twitter. Evan, how are we doing? Uh, you gearing up for pretty exciting stretch here of uh, college football finale with uh, the championship game. Thanks for the time.
0: Yeah, doing great, guys. Happy New Year. Uh, I think we're all coming down from the glow of the CFP semifinals and how great those games were and a little more portal churn here coming up and, and it's a new year.
1: It is and uh, that's where we'll start. Uh, you've got four visitors coming this weekend and, and a pair of wideouts, and also a uh, uh, pretty talented back in Dowdell from Oregon but uh, Evan let's get your thoughts here on the kids that are going to be here this weekend and some uh, some takeaways here I really like uh, the 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 kid out of uh, Wyoming slash Texas uh, Naor, it's 6'3", 215 big body wide out.
0: Yeah, he's a really interesting one. Uh, you know, everyone kind of lists him as a Texas receiver, but he really didn't do anything there. He was hurt, tore his ACL uh, in fall camp before the 22 season, and uh, got back this last year, but really just played in the opener and was sort of a backup. So he, he's an interesting case. If he's healthy, really what we saw from him at Wyoming would be the thing that Nebraska fans would love to have in Lincoln. I mean, you still look at his career numbers he's got more than 50 catches and he's averaging 21 yards per catch. So that tells you pretty much all you need to know in terms of the big playability and the speed that he has uh, on the edge. So that's something that Nebraska could certainly be looking for. Has kind of an interesting story too. I mean, he was, uh, I think it was a two-star prospect out of high school. And and then he was a hot portal commodity before he got hurt. So assuming he's healthy, um, you know, that's a guy who's got the experience and the speed and the height that Nebraska is going to need because, uh, as we've seen with some of their offers, Nebraska recognizes that they're going to need some more experience in that room where uh, you're looking at 2024 now with nine – Receivers who are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen, Uh, Alex Bullock and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda are sort of your resident vets, but they haven't really been uh, doing what they do for a long time either. So I think Nebraska is looking for someone who's been there, done that a little bit at least, and Naor seems like uh, one of those high upside possibilities.
2: Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World-Herald on Hale Varsity Radio. and Evan, tell me a little about Jamal Banks, the Wake Forest transfer. A name that, at least for me during the season, under the radar. But had a good season. Enter his name in the portal, and there's been a lot of top schools that have been hot on his heels. So where does Nebraska stand in that recruitment, if you will? And uh, what do you make of Banks, the football player?
0: You know, kind of similar to Nayor a little bit in build. I mean, he's 6'4", 205 pounds. Uh, He's the guy, of all the guys that you're looking at visiting this weekend, he's the one – who has the track record in college. Like, he's, he's got more than 100 catches. He's been a contributor for a Power 5 team now for, for multiple seasons, so he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, in some ways, it kind of falls into line with what Nebraska's targeted in past years with Samori Touré and Trey Palmer and Billy Kemp, kind of a, a one-and-done sort of guy who offers some stability at the top there. Uh, I don't know. He, he's not maybe quite the burner that Naor is, but I think he does. He, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Marcus Washington. I, th- I think, just in terms of his versatility and and his ability to kind of go up and high point a ball and and just kind of find find a way, whether that's uh, finding a pocket in the defense or just going up above a defensive back and bringing down a ball. So uh, another like just example of a guy who would come in and I think be a pretty clear leader. Uh, in, in a receiver group that again is really talented, but but really young right now. And you need somebody who uh, you can trust in those spots. And I think Banks, um, you know, is someone in a in a traditional environment who would have graduated by now. He's got the COVID year, looking to try something somewhere else. And maybe that's at Nebraska. And I think ultimately the fact that Nebraska is bringing both Banks and Aor in for visits here this week, uh, essentially at the same time to me is an indication that maybe they'd be happy to take both um, and, and, and add some depth to the offense in that receiver group.
2: And Evan, here's a name that Banks reminds me of. I want to get your thoughts on it just briefly. How about Maurice Purify?
0: Hey, I mean, if he lived up to Maurice Purify, I mean, that's uh, that would be a win for Nebraska fans. <laughs> I mean, th- th- he's good in, in – in that's a good comp in the sense of, like, the, the frame, sure. I mean, everyone's got to remember that 06 uh, – touchdown catch at texas a&m so yeah if if he could do that um that'd be great probably similar speed you know um average to slightly above average but it's really more about the hands it's more about the instincts it's more about the frame
1: evan where is nebraska in the race for dowdell is is it clear cut that nebraska is leading the race or is it a tight race right now for this running back
0: my sense is they're in a in a really good spot. Quite honestly, I mean, they visited Mississippi State uh, right after they entered the portal out of Oregon. That's and that's where he's from is is the state of Mississippi. Uh, but it doesn't it sound like that they're they're necessarily in play for him at this point. And, and to my knowledge, and I've talked a little bit with his his camp, they don't have any other visits set up. And this is that window, like today through Sunday, is that chance for uh, transfer prospects to check out schools. And so the fact that he'll be at Nebraska, and, and at least as of now just Nebraska, it kind of says all you need to know. And, and as long as that visit goes well, uh, you would think that, that uh, Nebraska would be in a good spot to land him. And, and it makes a lot of sense for both parties. I mean, Dowdell went to Oregon as a four-star guy and, and was one of their headliners in that class, but sort of got caught up in just the depth of that position. And then, of course, Nebraska, um, you, when you look ahead to 24, I mean, what's the, how healthy, how, how, how much of a return to full health will Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson be after some pretty serious injuries? You've got Emmett Johnson coming back. The staff's always been really high on Quentin Ives, the freshman, but uh, you'd love to have somebody with the pedigree of. Dowdell D- 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 coming in, and you look at his film, too. I mean, this is a guy who um, can run through defenders, run around defenders. Uh, he's just—he's a dynamic playmaker. And when you're talking about reviving that Nebraska offense in 2024 and, and giving someone like Dylan Raiola another uh, option, I think Dowdell H- fits that bill. So I, I would imagine as long as the visit goes well this week, uh, you got to like Nebraska's chances.
2: And, and what he strikes me as, Evan, <clears throat> and I think you're right in that, The fact that he doesn't seem to be scheduling visits elsewhere and the fact that Nebraska doesn't seriously seem to be going after any other portal running back seems to tell the full story on Dowdell. But he just strikes me as a Big Ten running back. Big frame, athletic, might not run past any defensive backs, but that's not what his job is going to be at Nebraska. The type of guy that you can trust in there on on three downs, and you know what, he's going to lower the shoulder and, and pick up an extra one to two yards where he can, similar to what you see from a lot of backs in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, absolutely. He's physical, and and he played in I think it was six games at Oregon this year, and was sort of just a victim to the depth. But you look at what he did in high school, junior and senior year. I mean, he he carried that team again in the state of Mississippi with some pretty against some pretty quality competition. He was a four star kid, so he's got the track record as a as a prospect coming out. But then, yeah, I mean, you think for Nebraska, like just the value of having a guy that you can lean on as a workhorse that you can trust in like a third and three type of situation to be versatile enough to maybe wait uh, for a hole and burst through or maybe just muscle your way ahead for a couple different yards. So I think it, that's been something that maybe Nebraska has been lacking as they've had backs with certain abilities but maybe not sort of the all-around skill set that Dowdell possesses. So, you know, again, we'll see how the visit goes here, but you would imagine, um, especially with classes starting on the twenty second, and, and this whole thing being on sort of a timeline, that uh, you know, barring some some kind of surprise, that he uh, is looking good to be a Husker here in the future.
1: Evan Bland with us here, uh, talking Nebraska portal thoughts on Hale Varsity Radio. Evan with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland O W H on Twitter. Evan, we were beating this up a little bit, and we looked at Florida State and and all the opt outs. And situationally, it was, do you stick and, and try and prove you got hosed by the playoff selection committee, or do you bounce out because it's a, air quote, meaningless bowl game, even though it's a New Year's Day six, and Florida State was uh, sorely uh, lacking in in any talent comp, uh, at least uh, from the first two teams of their roster. What would you say, Elijah, 19 of the 22 starters, not participating, and do you think a situation like that would ever happen to Nebraska or could happen to Nebraska? Do you think if a team's not in the playoff, you'll see more and more of it? How do you fix it is the other question.
0: Yeah, I mean, can you imagine what, uh, what would talk radio be like if, uh, if Nebraska went 13-0 and and didn't make the college football playoff? Like, Meltdown. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it would just be—it would be insane. And so, like, taking that from from what the players would have experienced in that moment, like you did everything that you could, you overcame adversity, you overcame injuries, all the rest, and you're still left out because you know whatever the SEC needs to have a team in there. But um, so, like, you can see it. You can see them say, "All right, you know, forget this. We're 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 done." Like, if that's how it's going to be. So, like, I, I can from a human perspective, like I can understand that sort of reaction but like georgia as you mentioned was on the other side and, and they probably felt pretty similarly I mean, they were the two-time defending champs hadn't lost a game in multiple seasons and and they get left out and what what was their response i mean they came out and enrolled and, and, and had a point to prove and i think they proved it pretty emphatically so that was such an interesting game because i think it really showed both ends of the spectrum and how you how you respond to the situation like that but yeah i mean moving forward I think the 12-team playoff probably comes at the right time. In that, right now you had essentially the four CFP teams uh, that avoided any opt-outs, and now it's going to be, you know, twice that or, or, or three times that moving forward with the way the format's going to be. So I think that'll help with some of it. Uh, I, I think bowl games are going to have to get more creative with how they. Uh, differentiate themselves, like with edible mascots and things like that. Like I think you just have to have fun with it. And the way that NIL is going, um, you know, you hear ideas out there that maybe a bowl game is a situation where you can provide compensation for players for coming out there. So uh, you're always going to have sort of those younger players with uh, new opportunities and 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 trying to earn their roles into the future. So they'll be out there. But um, I think the opt-outs more than anything speak to just the changing landscape in college football where going to a bowl game um, isn't, isn't uh, the big deal that it was 20 years ago. And I think that's a a byproduct of the playoff and sort of this idea that if you're not playing for the championship, if you're not in the playoff, then what's the point, everything else sort of becomes uh, an exhibition. So I think some of that will be mitigated by the format moving forward, But I do think it's a fluid situation, especially with NIL and the transfer portal, um, that college football is going to have to continue to figure out.
1: The old Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, right? Or at least competing (laughs) for it. You had a great feature on Kalen DeBoer. Uh, You got a chance to catch up with him. And then also uh, some of the coaches uh, in the G Pack. That uh, got to, to kick off against him on Saturday's Evan. What a what a story, uh, Mister South Dakota has been for college football, and he's on the doorstep before he moves into the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, what a story. I mean, just his path to where he is is pretty remarkable. I mean, even, even just looking at uh, the, the championship game. I mean, you got how his story contrasts with Jim Harbaugh, who was an NFL starter and and really, you know, was a head coach essentially right away. When his playing career was done, DeBoer played at the University of Sioux Falls. He was an assistant there. He was a head coach there. And I thought it was just, it was interesting. And I hope readers found it interesting that uh, a lot of where he found himself and, and figured out what, what to do as a head coach came on fields, not just in South Dakota, but when they played, um, you know, in, in, in Seward or in Blair or in Crete or whatever. And so, like, he's a guy who's just eminently relatable about he he just has stories from back then um and and what life is like at the nai level when you're busing to to games on the day of and you have sack lunches and uh you know you you, you kind of find guys that want to play there maybe division two cast offs or or local guys um it's just it was it was a cool i think just insight into where he came from and and, you know, from a Nebraska perspective, too, there was a little bit of overlap. People can remember, of course, the, the Indiana game in 2019 when uh, DeBoer was the offensive coordinator there and, and Indiana won that game. And I think he's one of those what-if guys, too, where if Nebraska decided to move on from Scott Frost at the end of the 21 season, uh, DeBoer was was on the market. Three weeks later, Washington hired him. So I'm not saying that, that he would have ended up at Nebraska, but he's one of those guys uh, – who, who did come available at the time when there was some instability in Lincoln. So, um, you know, I, I think he's, he's a guy who's easy to root for on Monday night. Um, and now that he's coming back to the Midwest uh, in the future years in the big 10, I think uh, people maybe will follow his career with a little bit more interest too.
2: And the crazy stat from DeBoer at Sioux Falls, three total losses yep. across four seasons, I mean, five seasons, uh, two of those, Occurred in the playoffs. One was in the semifinal. One was in the championship game. So only one regular season loss for DeBoer across five seasons at Sioux Falls. That is ridiculous.
1: All he does is win, uh, be it at Fresno or, you know, as as a a key cog in that that special Indiana team, and then be able to identify a guy like Penix and get him uh, out to, to Seattle. Evan will uh, spend some time next week. We'll run you down again. Thanks for. Your time, as always, and always love ch- uh, chatting with you here, talking some ball. Yep, thanks,
0: guys. Happy New Year.
1: You too. There he is. Good stuff. Read that, if you haven't, from Evan Bland and his feature on Keelan DeBoer. We'll shift to PBA, and uh, the Hall of Fame coach joins us, Jeff Smith, on the way with Hale Varsity.